The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And we can't think of a better time than now to soak in the wisdom and observations of our guest on this episode, international best-selling author and master coach Dan Millman. Dan is a former world champion athlete, university coach, martial arts instructor, and college professor whose 20-year spiritual quest led him to write his first book, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, a book that changes lives. Now, that book became the basis for the movie Peaceful Warrior, starring Nick Nolte. Dan is the author of 17 books, the most recent of which is called The Hidden School, Return of the Peaceful Warrior. Dan, we thank you so much for joining us. Well, I'm happy to be here with you. Your books have been read by millions of people and translated into 29 languages. You've been a sought-after speaker for decades, interacting with people all around the world. And I'm wondering, what do you think is happening with the world right now in this time of pandemic? Well, clearly, it's been a learning experience for all of us. I don't think the lessons will emerge fully for months or even years when we see what we've all gone through together. Um, I think we're learning lessons about, about reality and how things actually work. And we, we desperately, I think, need uh, some grounding and some reality checks today with all the adjusting to the social media. And we're all aware of it in terms of um, selective information and people live in different worlds based on what they're exposed to. And you mentioned the word wisdom, you know, and, and it seems to me, I've asked myself, what do we mean by wisdom? Is it a kind, special kind of knowledge or insight? To me, the better part of wisdom is perspective. And I think we're all getting uh, a greater perspective of what's really important today and family and connection. Uh, when you don't have something, you know, what's that song saying? You, you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. So I think it, it, we're going to come back strong. Um, th there is that proverbial light, that glimmer of light uh, after the long tunnel of winter. So there's some, some reason for optimism in the long run, but we still need to uh, deal with, with reality right now. That's how I, I view it. I think a lot of people have taken comfort in going back to the peaceful warrior right now, even though it was written in 1980, it seems like so many of the lessons are still relevant today. What lessons do you think are ones we can take from the book to apply to how we're dealing with the pandemic? Sure. Interesting question. There's a quote attributed to Albert Einstein. We've all heard it, that we can't solve a problem at the same level of awareness at which the problem was created. And much of our political solutions and struggles and ups and downs and cycles and ins and outs we've all seen are are result of trying to solve the problem at the same level it was created. And I believe what we're going to need, the ultimate answer to humanity's survival, I personally believe, is we need to shift from a competitive mind to a collaborative mind. 
Now, in, in Way of the Peaceful Warrior, I, I write about an approach to living. I describe as best I can through the story um, what it means to live with a peaceful heart, but also to acknowledge there are times we need a warrior spirit. And so it's not some selective little cult or discipline or uh, my thing. It's our thing. Because everywhere I look, we're all peaceful warriors in training. Again, who isn't striving to live with a peaceful heart? But we all recognize in times of adversity, like this one, but even in everyday life, which I view as a form of spiritual weight training, we need to, uh, to roll up our sleeves and face what we need to. So uh, there are so many lessons in the book about living the present moment, but there's a lot more to say about that particular topic. If you want to touch upon it more deeply, I'll, I'll leave that to your lead. Um, so there, there are many different things, awakening our senses, kind of uh, dealing with, with the mind um, and focusing on what we can and cannot control, for example. These are larger principles. Uh, many of us think uh, we, we've grown up thinking that um, we have to fix our insides. Now, there are people who have uh, various uh, psychopathologies, for example, or, or uh, mental illness, that they do have to do some inner work and start to notice uh, when they're having hallucinations and so on. But for most of us, um, it may be that we don't actually have to fix our emotions or have just positive thoughts and all that sort of thing. Maybe if we just focus on what we have more control over by our will, which is what we actually do moment to moment, how we act, how we behave, what we bring into life, that will make more of a difference for us than trying to have just the right emotions or thoughts which we have far less control over. And what I mean by that is um, we don't have a spam filter in our head. Sometimes thoughts arise, they happen to us. They, they appear in our awareness, these random discursive thoughts. And sometimes they're positive and sometimes they're not. Uh, and the same with emotions. They're like the weather patterns of the body. They pass through us. We, our feelings change all the time. So we, have, we can't feel differently from the way we feel in any given moment. So instead of trying to fix our emotions and thoughts, if we start to recognize that where we are today is a result of what we've actually done, our actions more than anything else help to shape our lives. Uh, and, and, you know, Barbara Rasp, a wonderful writer, she said, the, the lesson is simple. The student is complicated. And, we, you know, we complicate everything by trying to fix these internal things. Let me put it this way. One of the most controversial things I teach is that I do not encourage people to feel happy or loving or kind or peaceful or courageous or confident. I encourage people to behave that way, to behave with kindness, with courage, with confidence, with peace, with happiness, to radiate that as a discipline um, rather than waiting for us to feel the right feeling. So this is actually kind of a radical approach, but it, uh, it simplifies life quite a bit when we focus on what do I need to do now? What's the appropriate behavior? And do that no matter what we're feeling, whether we're motivated or not. So that, that in, in a, a bit of a nutshell, is some of the principles and the ideas uh, from, from Way of the Peaceful Warrior. So along those lines, what would you say to someone who feels they're having a tough time 
holding out much longer because the pandemic has perhaps taken loved ones from them or cost them a job or a business and, you know, maybe just upended their lives and they're just overwhelmed by what's going on. What, what's the first step? Well, first of all, my heart goes out to them. I mean, I mean it is tough emotionally for many people today, uh, including my wife and I and everyone we know. Uh, but again, that's when the word perspective comes back in. We're not in the blitz. Bombs aren't landing over our heads and no, we don't know whether they're going to have a direct hit or not. We're not starving. We're not rationing, uh, at least most of us. Obviously, there are people in much worse circumstances in the United States and around the world. Uh, and, and again, uh, I have a great compassion for people who are in dire physical circumstances. But most of us, even in this moment, if we look outside our window, we may see birds singing. Uh, we may hear the sounds of traffic, people going to and from work. We may be able to go out and walk through the park. So our world is shaped often by what we read and hear. You know, some people I know have attacked the media. They go, oh, it's all this bad news in the newspapers. But the way I view it is that if, if our body feels good, but let's say we have a sore arm. Our attention goes to the sore arm naturally because it needs to, to maybe help the arm heal, to take care of whatever we need to do if there's a sore on our arm or an injury. In the same way, the media does the same thing. They point out um, the sore parts of the world and in our society and the problems. Um, it would be wonderful if all the media did was tell us good news, but that's not reality. You know, there is um, an old proverb, a Serbian proverb that says two men looked out of prison bars. One saw mud and the other saw stars. So in this idea of perspective, we have to recognize both mud and stars in our life exist. Right now, if we focus only on the mud, only on the pandemic and the political divisiveness and so on, then life seems pretty bad and very difficult. But if we also focus on the stars and look to the future, look to the, the changes, what we're learning, um, again, that form of spiritual weight training, adversity. I've never seen adversity without hidden gifts of strength and wisdom and perspective. Any of us have, who've gone through times where we've had mental, emotional, or physical pain in our lives, and all of us have, if we look back on that time, we are a little bit stronger because of it and maybe a little bit wiser. So we need to also appreciate, not pretend to like it, but appreciate that we will get through this, that we are stronger than we think. Uh, we are getting through it. So it's not a matter of my trying to inspire someone or make them feel better momentarily. You know, somebody came up to me after a, a, a talk I gave once and said, Dan, I'm feeling something. I, I think I'm really inspired. I said, don't worry, it'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> because an inspiration comes and goes, motivation waxes and wanes. I try to re offer reminders and observations about what we already know at deeper levels, but we tend to forget. So even those who are going through tough times right now, and feeling like, how can I hold out any longer? I'm separated from my loved ones, my grandkids, um, my, my, my parents. Um, we've, we've done tough things before, all of us in our life. We've overcome adversity and challenges, and we can do it again. 
and it's calling for patience. Life develops what it demands. And the demand right now is for patience and persistence and resilience. And it's, it's going to happen. We're learning it right now. We can't avoid it. So in one sense, conventionally speaking, um, it is a very difficult time. And transcendentally speaking, let's say bigger picture, um, we're learning a lot and developing a lot of strength and perspective. So um, I'm, I'm maybe a short-term uh, pessimist, but a long-term optimist. <laughs> our Nobody Told Me conversation continues as we share some information about our sponsor, Daily Harvest, and a special offer they have for you. Our lives could get hectic at times, so we're grateful for Daily Harvest, which delivers stress-free meals to your doorstep. Daily Harvest delivers delicious harvest bowls, soups, flatbreads, snacks, smoothies, lattes, and more built on organic fruits and vegetables. Daily Harvest works directly with farmers to source the best ingredients and freeze them at peak ripeness to lock in flavor and nutrients. They never use artificial preservatives or ingredients. Daily Harvest is on a mission to make it really easy to eat more fruits and vegetables every day and with nourishing and easy to prepare options, I never have to think twice about what to eat for my next meal, snack, or dessert. Exactly. Daily Harvest foods stay fresh in my freezer until I'm ready to enjoy them, helping me reduce food waste. And by the way, Daily Harvest's tomato and basil flatbread is one of my favorites. Mine too, and I can't wait to try their butternut squash and rosemary soup. It seems so perfect for a chilly night at this time of year. And for a quick snack, you can't go wrong with Daily Harvest Bites. They're the perfect combo of powerful superfoods and a touch of sweetness. They're ready to eat in flavors like raspberry and fig or hazelnut and chocolate. You have to check out the Daily Harvest website to see all of the options that are available. Daily Harvest is committed to human and planetary health, which means they do their absolute best to ensure transparency and integrity when it comes to their ingredients and the humans who grow them. By supporting farmers who invest in practices that increase biodiversity and improve the health of our soil, and by delivering food in recyclable and compostable packaging where possible, Daily Harvest does the work. We just eat and enjoy. It's a win-win. Let Daily Harvest do more so you can do less. Go to dailyharvest.com slash nobody told me to get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash nobody told me to get up to $40 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash nobody told me. You talk about how it's a real detrimental fallacy that people have to think too much about the future and the past. But in this case, it seems like it's hard not to be a positive person with a positive attitude without thinking about the future and how there's going to be a better future. I'm having a really hard time just being in the present right now because I've got all these hopes and dreams and plans and places I want to go once this is all over. So what would you say to somebody like me who wants to have hope and has trouble living in the now? Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the future and being able to do various things. And my, my daughter, my son-in-laws and daughters, uh, they're all uh, looking forward to it. And that's a fine, natural thing. We, we, I think people need hope and they need something to look forward to, even if it's each evening to sit back and watch your favorite show. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. 
But the funny thing about living in the present, we've all heard the phrase, um, like a bumper, sloker, a, a bumper sticker slogan. Um, the thing is, here's the paradox. First of all, our bodies can't live anywhere but the present. They exist moment mm -hmm. to moment. They can't live in the future. They can't live in the past. Mm -hmm. But it's our minds get confused. It's like a bad habit. Um, physicists will tell us that there is no such thing as a present moment. If I say the word now to try to capture the present moment, uh, from the time I intoned the sound of mm to the time I said ow now, um, a, a million nanoseconds have passed. So which nanosecond is the present moment? It, it's, it's, it's a process. So when teachers like myself recommend focusing on the present moment, um, we're just saying handle what's in front of you. And the reason I say that is the, the past literally does not exist. The future does not exist. All we ever have is this present moment. What we call the past is a set of neural impulses in our brain we refer to as memory. But once the past happens, it's gone. Now all we have is now and now. So we can talk about two minutes ago or 20 years ago, but that is a memory we're having in this present moment. And when we talk about the future, it's what we call imagination. We can project, it's a great human capacity to project our mind and our imagination to plan our day, for example, knowing we have to do this and then that. We just don't want it to get too attached to the plans because life has a way of changing. Um, as Mike Tyson said, first you make a plan, then you get hit. It, it's the boxer said that, you know. So the point is, it's the only moment of reality, the only moment of sanity and uh, of power is right now. And that doesn't mean we can't plan our day. That doesn't mean we shouldn't use our power of memory to remember something we call the past, something that happened, these impressions we have. But literally, all we have is now and now. And the more we focus on that, for example, many people say, my mind's so busy. I, I, it's full of thoughts. I wake up in the morning with 16 things I have to do. But actually, in the present moment, there is no thought. Whenever we think about something, whenever we ruminate or imagine or have regrets or anxieties, we're thinking about the past or future. In the present moment, for example, if we were sitting in the same room right now and I tossed you a set of keys, car keys, and I said, catch, and you were reaching out to catch those keys, in that moment, you would not be thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow or yesterday. You would be like a cat, pure awareness, reaching to catch those keys. So that's why people like to play, throw frisbees and play musical instruments and perform and do things that pull them into the present moment because it's, it's natural and blissful and real in this moment. And so to quiet the mind, uh, to have more impact in life, the question always comes back. The existential question is, what do I need to do right now? I'm doing that right now, sharing with you. And you're doing that right now too. And all the rest, we can get lost and what am I going to do? But, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And what am I going to do tomorrow? And, oh, I'm meeting this person. I'm not really looking forward to it. All those things are just ruminations we're pulling into this present moment. And again, there's nothing wrong with using our imagination or memory. We just don't want to mistake them for reality. 
They are an aspect of reality, but all that is actually happening is right now. That is my two cents on the present moment. I love how you say it's important for us to remember that whenever we want to do something, we have to do something else first. Tell us more about that. Well, it seems to work like that. Um, I'm working on a new, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm working on a new book right now, uh, on my 18th, and it's a memoir. It may be my final long-form book, um, but whenever I have to do something, I've got to look up something or do something else first. Uh, preparing, it's all about anybody who's ever done painting, painting their house. They know it's about preparation, sanding, getting the right paints, and picking the colors. So that just seems to be a truism. Um, maybe it's like a universal law. Whenever you want to do something, there's something else you probably have to do first. What's the difference between stress and tension and how does that impact how we deal with the present moment? Well, most of us have heard that um, stress is bad for us. Oh, I'm so stressed. I wish I weren't. Is there a way to get rid of stress? Well, first of all, uh, many people today are dealing with stress. And in fact, in, of all times, people, humans have dealt with stress. But the, the irony and, and the mystery of this is stress is not an actual thing. It, it has maybe a set of symptoms, but it, you can't hold it in your hand. You can't show it to me. You can't say, here's what stress looks like. Stress is an idea. It's a notion. We say, I'm so stressed. Now, maybe the feeling, if people were to say, what does it feel like to be stressed? Maybe it's a building pressure in our heads, maybe a higher blood pressure, or maybe it's a tension in our stomachs. Um, now, I can tell, I can share with you right now um, how to never feel stressed again. Yes. Okay, please, go ahead. Yeah. It. <laughs> All right. Here it comes. Don't care about anything. <laughs> Well, I kind of want to do that. I kind of don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that may, that may not be the most practical advice because right. we, as humans, we do care. We care about people we love. We care about the world. We, we care about many things. So stress is going to be a natural part of everyday life. And not just in bad times, but even in good times. At a wedding, we can be stressed, especially if it's our own. Or a family gathering. There's so many things can cause what we call stress. Now, different people experience stress in different ways. You can have two people sitting on a roller coaster and one is screaming with excitement and the other is screaming with fear, depending on how they perceive that roller coaster. One is going, this is so much fun. And the other is, I'm going to die, you know? So yeah. um, people experience different situations as more or less stressful. But the way I approach stress, is first of all, I remind myself that stress happens when the mind resists what is. Life unfolds in a kind of mysterious way, moment to moment. And if we resist what happens, then there's natural stress. It can be physical stress, it can be psychological stress. There are different kinds of stress. But if we're not resisting, if we learn to kind of accept it and flow with it and make use of it, rather than this automatic resistance, we feel less stress. But the, the key thing I can say to help perhaps help your listeners in some way, that when people say stress is bad for you, and there's plenty of evidence, you can Google it, look it up, you know, that stress is bad. Well, they're not really talking about stress. They're talking about tension. And 
can you imagine feeling stress, going into a stressful situation, but being completely relaxed? Can you imagine saying, ah, oh, I'm so stressed right now. <laughs> but, nope. you know, at the same time, you're really relaxed. So see, stress isn't under our control. Some situations we'll meet will bring up some stressful stuff. Mm -hmm. But tension is under our conscious control. Anybody who can tense their body can relax their body. And so, um, you know, it's funny, funny story. Uh, a young man came up to me once after a talk I gave in, uh, in college uh, to a college class. And he said, Dan, um, I know you sometimes do one-on-one -on -one consultations with people, but you must charge a lot of money for your time. He said, what can you tell a poor college student for a dollar? <laughs> and he actually, gave me, he actually gave me his dollar. And I told him six words that could change his life. I gave him a lifetime practice in six words. And those six words were here and now, breathe and relax. Now, we've already discussed, you know, a little bit about here and now, focusing on the present moment, simplifies life and so on. But the part about breathe and relax, many people feel like they need more energy. They get tired at the end of the day and so on because, well, there, there's a, this sounds like a tangent, but it's relevant. There was a man who was searching everywhere for energy. He never felt like he had enough energy. And one day after years of searching, he went up to a, a climbed a sacred mountain. And he stood on the top of the mountain. He cried up to the heavens, fill me full of energy and light. I'm waiting. I'm ready. And because he was so sincere, the clouds parted and, and a voice thundered down from the heavens. Maybe it was in his own mind. But <laughs> the, boy, the voice said, I'm always filling you, but you keep leaking. And that's the human condition. There's no lack of spirit or inspiration or beauty in the world around us. But we're often so preoccupied, we don't notice it. And we're always leaking energy through two primary means. We unconsciously hold our breath. Many times during the day, taking a selfie, we're holding our breath. Someone's taking a picture of us. We're pouring water from, uh, in, from one vessel to another or tea or whatever. We're momentarily holding our breath. When we're at a keyboard typing or on, even on our phone texting, they even have a word for it, keyboard apnea. So <laughs> the point is many times a day we unconsciously stop breathing. And we also use more tension than we need to. So many times we're tensing our vital area, our belly, our back, our legs, our thighs, our arms, our neck. And by practicing taking a deep breath and relaxing, it's a whole different critter than, see, stress with tension is different from stress and relaxation. So we have control over that. So whenever anybody's feeling stressed, even now, if they think about all the stuff and project how long has it been going on and how long is it going to go on and all these ruminations that, that fill our life and our consciousness, while we're doing that, we can take a deep breath, shake loose, and see if we can even be more relaxed and loose and easy. We've all had experiences of that, um, getting a massage or doing deep relaxation techniques, yoga, and so on. And just to bring that into everyday life. So that's my, my somewhat long response to your, your point. Dan, our show is called Nobody Told Me. And we always ask our guests, what is your 
nobody told me lesson. And you have so many lessons to pass along about personal growth. But I'm wondering what comes to mind when you think, hey, nobody told me this about life or personal growth or relationships or the pandemic. What What is it that nobody told you that you kind of wish someone had because it would have eliminated a, a bit of suffering along the way? Oh, well, that's a big one. I've actually hinted at that. Certainly, some of the disciplines I've studied over the several decades of my own quest, um, I didn't learn in school. And there were, I was looking for wisdom. You know, Daniel Boone, one, the, the pioneer, once said, I was never really lost, but I was bewildered once for two days. Mm. <laughs> and um, if ignorance is bliss, when I was a kid, I was ecstatic. <laughs> because um, <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was, I was looking for those kinds of things that nobody was telling me. How does life work? What, how are we supposed to be here uh, in, in life? And I started studying quotations. It's been a lifelong hobby of mine, collecting quotations. And I came across a quote that said, um, uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But then I came across another one that said, you're never too old to learn. And then I heard that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Now that seemed true until I came across out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) And and he or she who hesitates is lost. Oh, but look before you leap. (laughs) So I was getting all these contradictory quotations. I was wondering what was real. And and so that's when I began to study what I call universal laws that I could count on. Uh, for example, a chain breaks at its weakest link. We've all heard that. As a matter of fact, that is a universal law because no matter what day it is, no matter where we are, a chain will break at its weakest link. But it's also universal because so do we break at our weakest link, whatever that may be. It's not just about chains. So what I call universal law is consistent and universal. And those are the kinds of things I wish I had known. I wish someone had told me. Um, but also I spent years trying to fix my insides, trying to find methods and ways to feel this or feel that more and think more positively. Um, you know, I I often ask audiences, raise your hand. If if you read a book on positive thinking, many hands go up and then I go, well, um, I'll tell you what, uh, Keep your hands up if you've only had positive thoughts after reading those books. <laughs> All the hands go down. And I go, yes, but I'll bet you believe if you had read the book twice and done all the exercises and highlighted it, you'd be having more positive thoughts and fewer negative ones. But actually, that may not be realistic. I've been around the track. I've done a great deal of inner work, so to speak. And sometimes my thoughts are positive and sometimes they're negative. And that's okay because I don't take my thoughts quite as seriously or myself quite as seriously as I used to. That's one fundamental change. That's a long answer to um, nobody told me, but there were, those were some of the things that I wasn't told that I wish I had understood and that I would be happy to tell my younger self right now. And a lot of those lessons are in your books. And I think people would get so much value out of checking those out. So how can people learn more about that and everything that you're up to online? Oh, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, I think the one stop would be peacefulwarrior.com. And uh, just peacefulwarrior.com. There's a free life purpose calculator that's a lot of fun there on the landing page. 
and um, there are tapes and uh, online courses and audios and, and so on uh, that people can find a, a number of good resources. And I know on the online courses, you also say people can pay what they want to pay. Why did you decide to do that as a business model? Well, actually, it wasn't my idea. Uh, the, these courses were developed for a, a platform called Daily Ohm. And that was their business model. And it seemed like a great idea to me that people could pay what they want. Uh, I think they've changed it to just pay this, this, or this. They give people like three options or something. But, but people are free to choose the least expensive options. So uh, if, if budget is tight, they can choose that. If they want to uh, you know, offer more, they can do that too. So I, thought get, I think it's great that they, people get some flexibility in terms of um, what they want to put into the course and what they want to invest in it. Dan, we thank you so much for, for joining us today. This has been absolutely fascinating and insightful and inspiring. Well, it's been a pleasure for me to sharing with you. Thank you for inviting me. Again, our thanks to Dan Millman, whose latest book is called The Hidden School, Return of the Peaceful Warrior. And again, his website is peacefulwarrior.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 